1: on Great the slaughter. Girls.
0: We on that haunted ground. The Hey there spooksters and happy new year. It's your girl Jessica and before we get into this episode I just want to let you know that this is a re-release of a patron episode that we did. This is my favorite patron episode of 2023 it is an oj simpson documentary you know we did like a million parts on him but this was really good before we get into it here's some information that you may need to know if you're new here welcome we are so glad you're starting your new year off with us if you are a returning spookster welcome back and happy new years we're hoping that you guys have all of the good vibes and the good blessings of the new year With that, if you want to hang out with us on social media, you can do so by heading over to Facebook, Instagram or threads. Our handle is at three spooked girls. We also have a fantastic Facebook group. Tara and I were so lucky this holiday season that we got to meet Ashley, who's one of our admins. So definitely go in there and join. Say hello to everyone. Join the book club that's going on in there. Join the discussion threads on about different episodes and also just the fun connectivity that we get to have with people who like the same things that we like. We also have a Patreon, which if you like this episode, please consider subscribing to. It is patreon.com backslash three spooked girls. For little as a dollar, you get bonus episodes a month. Sometimes that means with December's, you got a video content. Also, uh, five and up get video content more frequently. And if you liked our Vital Conversations segments, you can watch all of those and see the people we're talking to. So definitely check those out. If you are on the TikTok, definitely check out Tara's. Her handle is spooky underscore sleuth. Just fantastic content. If you love this content, definitely check it out. And we're going to get into this episode. Again, this is my favorite patron episode of 2023. So I hope you enjoy. We're going to be doing a review slash talking about slash just word vomiting Mm -hmm. about the documentary OJ Simpson colon Blood, Lies and Murder. Yeah. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Blood, Lies and Murder. Yeah. I will say that sometimes I kind of wish they did this with all cases. Yes. I was thinking that too. Like how in depth they went in. But I'm going to trigger warn everyone right now. Oh,
1: my God. It's so bad. If
0: you cannot handle seeing Actual autopsy photos of Nicole and Ron, and like their wounds up close, yeah, this is not the documentary for you,
1: no, or mm-hmm. just
0: be prepared that you might have to like
1: like look away or yeah, you know something. get up for a minute, skip ahead.
0: if you remember from the documentary we talked about a specific gentleman a lot mm-hmm. his name was Tom Lang. He was the homicide detective on the case he was the primary, and overall he was a homicide detective for twenty nine years. That's almost my whole life. I was like, there are listeners right now who have like, they're like, I'm not even 20. Yeah.
1: Oh, my God. (laughs) Like When
0: I hear about people being like married for years longer than I've been alive, I'm always just like, that's so trippy.
1: Right.
0: But anyway, so he's the primary. He's done over 250 homicide cases. It is also noted right away in the documentary. It starts off with the car chase, but they talk about the fact that like Van Adder, who is the other William Van Adder and then Tom they had a gag order. They were never allowed to address the public in regards to the O.J. Simpson case. Mhm. That kind of sucks for them. Yeah. The style of this is very like Forensic Files meets um like Criminal Minds almost. Yes. Kind of kind of Criminal Minds cuz it's like the early years when like mm-hmm. What's his face was on Mandy Patinkin's character. I'll think of it later. It's okay. I was like, I've only watched a couple episodes. I love this show and I can't remember. God, fucking ADHD brain. You go to pull something out and you're like.
1: It's like, nope, it's gone. gone. Yeah, Yeah. no, you're fine.
0: So the opening scene of this is like the slow ass Bronco chase. In fact, they make a comment about it. (laughs) They were like, oh, the slow chase? (laughs) The slow chase. At some some point in that, I was like. I was like, that's funny. Oh, my God. So it starts with Lang, who was the one on the phone with OJ when he was in the Bronco. And so you hear a lot of more of the dialogue than I've heard before. Yeah. And it, you know, it's the famous, like, throw the gun out, those type of things. Also, it's, like, talking about the fact that, like, he's, like, talking to OJ, just kind of like, oh, okay, you're still there. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just, like, kind of a conversation that I didn't think was happening, but
1: yeah and then like basically he i think he he had said something about you know just like being like hey bye he was like you don't want to do that like that's not a good idea like you know he was it's a lot more than like we previously had seen ever i think right and we consume so much oj shit
0: (laughs) i know and i just i like that tom lang he developed a good rapport yeah with oj and like he really reached into him to be like come on dude like stay with us i think he definitely knows how to kind of curate the response he wants as a detective so Mm -hmm. so one of the big things to note with the oj simpson trial is that there was a lot of evidence that was not used that was collected and not used so much so you have to remember that this is the time like right after the rodney king riots there's all of this like pent-up racial energy in the air and DA's office was really feeling that. This is why Lang thinks that Marsha Clark didn't put a lot of evidence through because of the fact that their kind of main narrative was that the LAPD was on trial for this case. Mm. Hey, guys, I just want to put it like interjection, like time out for a second. Because um, we just had mayhem. <laughs> we just had mayhem. Uh I have cats who have yet to settle into their personalities, and we want to get through this with you guys. We have a lot of stuff, so we're going to try to power through, but my cats are being extra mischievously, extra mischievous. Mischievous? Thank you. (laughs) Uh, My cats are being extra mischievous tonight, and so there's nothing I can really do. I apologize if you're crinkling in the background. It's either that, or they're going to sit on the other side of the door and scream at you guys. Yeah. And they have learned their big boy and girl voices now.
1: Oh, so they extra loud. great. But it'll be okay.
0: It'll be okay. Hades did it for the first time tonight. He looked at me and screams and I was <laughs> like, what the fuck? I was like, your food is in my hand. That's so like, scary. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I was like, he's so big. <laughs> <laughs> so, Marsha Clark did not want to put all of the evidence and submit it into trial because a lot of it was collected by the LAPD and they were like, this is a black man being tried by the Los Angeles DA who works with the Los Angeles PD, and we can't be in bed with them. Right, right. That's why Tom Lang believes that a lot of the evidence wasn't submitted. Mm -hmm. We also meet a very fun woman by the name of Michelle Kessler. Yes. She is like a criminologist. So
1: cool. I liked her.
0: She's amazing. She also worked on the Hillside Strangler and the Richard Ramirez, or as Tara calls him, poop mouth. Stank breath. (laughs) stank breath that's right my bad oh. and it was funny because she was and obviously we <laughs> were like okay duh, like, you're here on this documentary this is your documentary
1: <laughs> no you know what else i liked about her too <laughs> was when they were looking at pictures
0: and she's like oh yeah my hair used to be red i love that i mean she was beautiful <laughs> she had beautiful white hair but it was just like, yeah i was like oh she was a redhead <laughs>
1: ginger yeah
0: we also get t- to hear from Alan Park, who was the limo driver that night, and we get to talk to a person who I personally want to invite to every party I have. Rod Englert? Ingl- <laughs> I think is how you say his last name. He is a crime scene reconstructionist. Oh my god,
1: yes, so cool!
0: This is why I want him. Like, could you imagine, like every like Halloween party I throw?
1: out? No, you know what? No, 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 not even that. Like. For a murder mystery party, for whatever
2: the Mm -hmm. story
0: is. (gasps) I love that. Right? But yeah, he's really cool, and he was brought into this case to specifically analyze the blood patterns. We also, Kato Kalin will be making an appearance as a full grown-up.
1: Woo! He's an adult now, okay?
0: Yeah, he a full grown-up. Actually, like, I want to talk about his parts. Like, when they're, like, doing the flashback to that time, he was so funny. Yes! Uh, like, people were like, are you going to write a book? And he's like, uh, maybe a coloring book. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, do you have friends?" <laughs> And I was like, oh my god, Kato, you're fucking hilarious. No wonder Nicole kept you around. Right? Shit. He was so funny. So Rod would rebuild this crime scene. He would get, he got the measurements of like the steps coming down. He also got like where the fence was so that he could accurately depict what happened. He had two actors, a woman who was... Nicole's height, even hair color, and then a gentleman who looked like who looked like Ron. Yeah,
1: he did. That was weird.
0: I was like, part of me was like, I really hope Kim Goldman never watches that, or Fred Goldman never watched that, because it'd be like watching what actually happened to their son. Because the portrayer was like the same hair, same mm-hmm. build, mm-hmm. which I guess does really help with the reenacting of it.
1: True. Especially for, like, the hair, because, like, how Nicole's hair was. Mm-hmm.
0: So they did this. How they did the lining up of it is they took the crime scene photos, they took the autopsy, and then they, like, rebuilt this. Nicole was stabbed in the head twice. So, like, literally the actress is walking down and he's like, stab, stab. And then... He said that Nicole was stabbed in like the neck throat area four times and it punctured her heart. That's like how long that knife was. God,
1: horrific.
0: I was like, damn. Yeah. He was talking about how much blood Nicole bled like out and how uh, they think she was up on the first step for a period of time because the blood was gushing onto the step and then they were like okay this is where ron gets involved one because of how the blood moved Mm -hmm. like nicole is bleeding out and they're fighting and stepping into the blood and everything like that and the transfer on the shirt
1: everything Mm -hmm. yeah
0: the one thing that was really sad is they made it sound like the very first stab wound ron received was his like would have been a fatal stab wound Oof. Remember when he said that he's like, it's a fatal stab. And I was like, so he was like basically up and fighting, like against odds. Yeah. And so it was interesting. This documentary goes into the blood patterns a lot. And so we'll dive into that in a little bit. But that's kind of like where they start seeing, like, okay, this is where the blood was. Later in the documentary, they do a reenactment of this, and the people are in white. It was so interesting to me, like, how much the killer had very little blood on them. Yeah. But not the victims. They talk about how, like, OJ and Ron fought and how the glove would come off. Basically, it's that OJ's arm was around his neck and he was, like, trying to cut, Mm -hmm. you know, he's right-handed, so he's, like, left arm and he's, like, trying to cut his throat. Yeah. And, like, Ron and him are fighting, so he probably just pulled the glove off then most of ron's like wounds were he was he was fighting yeah there's this one where they talk about it was like in his neck and it was like it's called like a swallowtail oh yeah it was terrible they they do everything from like ron dropping the pager the glove the glasses they talk about the keys
1: oh the keys oh my god i know fucking OJ, man
0: So one of the things I didn't know, but watching this documentary, when OJ was trying to like cut like stab Ron in the beginning with his arm up, there were like indentations or like tinier cut marks or like not as deep on his neck that OJ was unsuccessful. And then they're, like, fighting, and then, like, Tara says, the hat comes off. Mm -hmm. And then they they really start talking, a lot of this, they're going to talk about the prosecutions wanting to distance themselves from the LAPD evidence, and, like, that's why a lot of it wasn't put in. But this is the thing I can't understand. Like, to be really honest, like, thinking about this, Mm -hmm. and maybe this is my elevated state of thought, but, like... Marsha Clark was like, I don't want to use a lot of the LAPD evidence, but I'm going to put Mark Furman on the fucking.
1: Bro, like she picked the wrong shit. If she had picked the Mm -hmm. fucking blood in the Bronco, they could have had these homies that were in the documentary. Like. Right.
0: But she was like, I'm going to pick all the dumb shit like the glove. I'm going to pick the racist piece of shit cop.
1: So here we Mm -hmm. go. Yay. Perfect. Right. Right. That's what's explained in this, too. It's not like, you know, you could just submit it and then be like, okay, cool. Here's our evidence. Like,
0: they have to take the stand. Right. Basically, they keep talking about the, uh, like, how the attack happened. Mm -hmm. They think that OJ, when he was stabbing him, eventually, like, got him up against the tree. And he was, like, on his side. And there were marks on his face that, like, indicate that he hit it on the tree. Mm -hmm. And... There were like drips of his blood. Yeah. So basically he cuts Nicole's throat and then he cuts Ron's throat and then he goes back over to Nicole and he steps on her. Which was like, the fuck?
1: Fucking disgusting.
0: Right. And then he leaves. All of this is coming from the memory of one Mr. Tom Lang who has a journal. His journal is in the law enforcement Museum because I mean it's literally the detective who worked on the O.J. Simpson case, right? And I think it's like four hundred and something pages. Oh wow! So they were basically going through all the evidence. Rod is talking about the blood droplets, and one of the, the one of the biggest problems with the O.J. Simpson case, and I mentioned this when we were doing it, is because of the fact that the coroner's investigator broke their leg. There was no criminologist there. The like coroner's assistant just washed the body. Could you imagine like if there had been a oj's blood in nicole's wounds
1: i get it was you know it was an accident the 90s and in an accident but i'm just i'm just like it's common sense like i don't know
0: yeah they did not look like they were in a car accident so i would have been like i don't know yet i'd have called someone exactly But there was kind of a shining hope is that Ron's boot had a droplet on it and it contained a mixture of like pretty much everyone's blood. And they don't know if it was like from his hand dripping or if it was like from the knife cast off. But like, it's still like right there. Yeah. It it puts OJ's DNA on a murder victim. Mm -hmm. The other thing is the shoe pattern. There was a big ass size 12 bruno molly's impression they talk about dominic brown who was not called to the stand denise brown was and dominic is the one who connected the fact that like oj wore bruno molly's and the fact that nicole owned some too and in fact she was wearing the shoes because her sister was like oh i don't want these anymore you can have them so it was like a brand that nicole loved yeah or liked and so did oj Right. Oh, this was the saddest part when they were talking about the beeper oh, and it, they were like, "Yeah, kept going off because his friends were like, where the fuck are you? That just made me so sad. Ron had, like, he was stabbed, I think, 29. I think he was stabbed 29 times, if I can recall. 30 times? Yeah. And he had 20 different wound sizes. Like, so the stab wounds were... That very... Oh, jeez. Something I liked that they were like, there's like 8 million people in LA and there was only three places where all three people's DNA was. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, damn. (laughs) Then they start talking about like why maybe the prosecution didn't want to use any of like broad stuff and they kind of implied that the defense went out there and were like telling people that he was like a child molester
1: oh my god yeah
0: and i was very unsatisfied that they were like they dropped that and then just didn't explain they were opening statementing it they were like this is what happened and then we're never going to address it but yeah because he was like a youth leader in like a local church and so they were like interviewing people in his life about how he was was he being inappropriate with kids mm-hmm. so they were like trying to frame this another thing the defense did is basically ron had driven there in his girlfriend's car and when they moved the body they found the keys but there was no blood on the keys they had gone they had been processed and then they were given back to the girlfriend who then went around telling people that the keys were all bloody which for our attention i don't know The defense was like, oh, they washed away the real killer's DNA. Defense was like, it's a straw. We're going to grasp it. And they did it quite successfully, actually. The thing that keeps tripping everyone up is there is no other evidence that points to another person. Yeah. One in 170 million people. Insane. There's no other person that they're like, yep, that's the one. At this point in the documentary, Michelle comes and she talks about all of the evidence in the Bronco. She talked about it for a little bit, but then they started talking about, like, when the sun came up, more evidence came. I didn't know this until I watched this documentary, but O.J. had said he took a shower. And I was always like, why didn't they test the shower drain? They had tested both the shower drain, the soap, and the sink, in addition. And they found blood in all of them. And I was like, mm, okay. The defense basically says there's, this is how they kind of word it. There's a second suspect. No evidence ever ever points anywhere else. The cops planted the evidence, but they can't tell you how. And the lab helped plant evidence, but there's no particular way they could, the way they did
1: it. No, absolutely no.
0: And I guess one of the things the defense really pushed hard on was, you know, all the evidence was pretty much collected in the first, like, 24 less than 24 hours yeah and it was only like a couple piece of evidence that were found later and those were either found like at oj's house or the one droplet that they the defense says was planted at bundy because they couldn't find it in one picture right and i was like okay because we've never heard of shadows never right but one of the things the defense was like the socks the socks were planted because there's a video of after they process the scene and i guess they do this so that someone can't be like well they came in and trashed my house Mm. yeah that does make sense which makes sense that like you're leaving a someone's home that's a crime scene and you're like we left it like this and the socks weren't on the floor anymore
1: right right because they took them into fucking evidence (laughs) yeah
0: i was like but they're in the evidence locker like literally the defense didn't know like one of the interesting things is like we learned that like the defense didn't even know where the body was like when they went out there with rod he they were like oh so they were up by the door and he was like no they're they were there and there and they were like Oh, and, like, none of them took notes. So it wasn't important to them. And they just, like, smiled and waved for cameras. and showboat. showboat. Mm-hmm. The defense wasn't interested in the truth. They were interested in, like, how they could spin their story. So there was... One of the interesting things is there was so much more blood in the Bronco than I thought there was. Like, I just thought it was, like, on the door handle and then, like, on a couple places. But this vehicle was basically, like, The Shining. It was oh just God, full yeah. of blood.
1: Oh, my God. So much. I'm, like... Bitch, why did you not pick the Bronco?
0: <laughs> right? Ugh.
1: That would have been all she needed. I mean, obviously other stuff, but like, you know what I mean? Like your main thing.
0: I mean, that's what they, yeah, they said that on the on the documentary. They were like, literally, there are prosecutors out there who would be just happy to get the evidence they found in just the Bronco.
1: Exactly.
0: Because it put all three people involved yes in one location and it's their fucking blood.
1: Right, and... He wasn't friends with Ron, so his blood should not have been in his car.
0: Right. At all. So the defense stated that they were, that the more evidence that they uncovered in the Bronco was more evidence that they were planting against them. But it takes time to process something. Like, if you're good at your job, it's not like you're going to walk out in one day and process an entire car. Right. It's going to take you, like, several weeks. Michelle was talking about how when she would, like, be on the stand, she would look over at the jurors and they weren't really paying attention. Like some of them were taking notes. Most of the time they were like laughing and joking with each other. Mm-hmm. She was like, I couldn't believe, you let that happen. She's like, I couldn't believe the prosecution let it happen. Right. And I honestly think that Marcia Clark's ego and her divorce got in the way of this case.
1: A hundred percent.
0: They talk about the evidence that's found in, in the Bronco, uh, but like the Bronco, the one that's involved in the chase. hmm And that one, oh goodness. Uh, (laughs) That had the disguise kit in it, which was purchased two weeks prior to the murder. An interesting thing is, in his possessions, they find keys. And Nicole had gone to her mom about 10 days before the murder happened and said, Hey mom, I think OJ stole a set of my keys. So fucking scary. And the keys were to the gate and the front door. It's just, it's so interesting to me that like, none, almost none of the evidence in the bronco was used it was basically what what mark Furman found yeah and that wasn't even well explained like the way that rod explains it makes so much sense like oj simpson had a cut on his left middle finger and he put he gets a glove on and he smears his like left middle finger with blood and you know, he shows, like, how you could open it with a right hand, but this is probably really awkward. But this is what it would look like if you opened it properly with your left hand. And the mark that he makes on that Bronco...
1: Exact.
0: ...is the same exact mark as O.J. Simpson. Mm-hmm. It might be a little thicker, but it's in the same location. Mm-hmm. A hundred percent. And where the knife, like, you can see where the knife was laying because of the edge of the blade in the blood. It's on the seat. And there was a hair... They took 39 of them from Ron's shirt, but she had, like, 40 hairs that had been cut, and the 40th was in the fucking Bronco. my God. Right? None of this. None of that admitted in court. None. Also, one of the interesting things is, is that in the car the dimmer light, it had been removed. Like they'd popped the thing off, screwed a different light bulb in so that they wouldn't be illuminated. Right. There were also, there were also points in the car where like OJ had like blood on the steering wheel on the seat. There were smears of like Nicole's blood along like how you would get in a Bronco, you know, mm-hmm. like legs up and over. And then there was her blood on the door panel and then ron and nicole and oj's all their blood was all mixed up in the center console then they talk about the evidence at rockingham with the socks which is a big thing because alan dershowitz or whatever i wrote alan is a dick instead of dershowitz i thought i was being funny (laughs) i was at work doing my notes and i was like i'm so clever but basically he said that Van Adder had like poured the blood onto the sock and framed OJ. Like that was what it was. Cause they did talk about this. They did talk about her blood and his blood being on the sock. They talked about that in court, but they didn't talk about the blood pattern pattern because the way it is, like and they do the demonstration of it and they can recreate this, this pattern by like stomping around in blood and fighting the way that they do. It's interesting that Alan brought up that like van adder did it because van adder's deceased yeah and so it's like who's gonna argue right lang of course lang's gonna protect his his partner but there's no one to stand up and be like i didn't do that except for the fact that rod is so cool he's like actually let me show you how you're wrong he -hmm. talks about the difference between like a transfer and a blood spatter so like transfer is if i had something on my hand and i touch tara and she gets what it's on my hand on her Mm mm-hmm That's, like, the blood transfer that they talk about. But the splatter is when, like, if I stepped in a puddle, it would, like, splash up. And they were talking about how those have, like, inconsistencies. They talk about the fact that, like, OJ, you know, his socks would have had that. And then they cut to Kato, which I love. I do love him in this documentary. (laughs) Uh, Because you just can tell that he's just been like, I've lived with this for so many years. Apparently, at one point in time, Kato was a suspect. He was, like, suspect number 300 and something. And before, like, OJ, which I know is just really fast, they had pinned it down to, like, hundred what fifty credible, like, suspects. Something like that, yeah. I just thought it was really funny because when Kato read his score, he had, like, a, a low score of being the suspect. <laughs> and he was like, oh, cool, I got a three. But they talk about, like, OJ had been seen wearing the knit cap, before when spying on Nicole. They talked about that. But something I didn't know is that when they got into Kato's house, which I thought that was a really interesting... Kato must have been a pothead.
1: Oh, 100%. 100%. No question.
0: Because he's like, I was a little like, you know out of it i was like "Mm -hmm," because it was five in the i mean granted it was five in the morning but still (laughs) he was like it was five in the morning and i opened the door and there are four guys outside who were like we're cops can we come in and he's like i just said yes i was like oh you were high Mm -hmm. that's a high decision Mm, for sure and so they were like where are the where are the clothes you were wearing yesterday and kato just started answering (laughs) questions he's like they're on that chair (laughs) and they like took his clothes into evidence Okay. And I was like, that's an interesting moment. I didn't know that. Then they, in the documentary, they shift to, like, OJ being interviewed by Lang and Van Adder. And the part that I find really weird is that if I, I wrote this, if I was accused of murder <laughs> and I had a giant fucking cut on my middle finger, my answer would be like, I don't know, man. Right. I cut it and keep changing it. I would be like, I got this with this specific knife or this I would know that moment. And this is a girl who has a, currently has a bruise. She doesn't know how she got. I'm just like, I would know the exact moment I cut my finger. And the fact that he can't answer this, answer that question straight, It's he's, tr- he's feeling out what excuse they're going to buy. Yeah. Like, I don't think OJ Simpson is stupid. Like, no. I want to go on record. I don't think he's stupid at all. I think he fucking tried to mastermind a murder and Ron Goldman got in his way.
1: Yep, for sure.
0: I think if Ron Goldman hadn't been like there Mm -hmm. OJ probably would have gotten away with it a lot better.
1: Oh for sure. Oh for sure.
0: Another interesting thing is I know I knew this but like for some reason it just kind of like hit me it's always weird to me that OJ offered up his blood. I think we talked about this and it's like it's such a weird thing because then they have your DNA. Exactly. You cocky fucker I didn't think you left any. But like you left a glove sir. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing is at one point in time he he admits that he cut his finger at that night. Mm-hmm. He, well, and I think the reason was, is he's like, oh, I cut it in Chicago when I threw a glass. But they're like, we found blood at your house. And the story had to change. He actually gave one definitive answer. And if they'd been paying attention, they could have kept bringing it back to it. Like, how did you cut your finger that night? You, you remember cutting your finger that night. How did you cut your finger? Mm-hmm. But they just, like, skirted over that. So I'm not going to let Tom Lang off the hook entirely for this. No. It was said that Ron had 29 defensive wounds and one non-defensive wound. The one non-defensive wound is when he was basically passed out dead and OJ slit his throat. They could tell that Ron had stayed up for a really long time because of how saturated his pants were. He was bleeding a ton from his abdomen and it literally soaked both sides. They were like, if he had fallen down right away, like some people were like, oh, he was on the ground the whole time. It would have only been on like one side. They think he was up for a really long time. And then OJ got him to the ground and like basically he was like against the fence. And then they talk about like, so then this is where like Ron that he leaves Ron and goes and cuts Nicole's throat and how like, and I'm going to, again, trigger warning right now. Like if you're watching the documentary, this is where you're going to see Nicole's like vertebrae.
1: Ugh, oh God. Yeah. Yeah. Was, you're going to
0: see it a lot worse. during this, but like it's definitely popping up right there. And then they say like, okay, this is how he cut Ron's throat. So it makes sense that he went and cut Nicole's throat and then cut Ron's throat because there's the transfer of hair that OJ cut. The thing that pisses me off so much it's even more than like the murders and i know that this might seem really fucking trivial but like oj stomped on nicole and it bruised so they think she was still alive i mean she she had to be still alive because you don't like once your heart starts beating you don't bruise right and so it was like she had the faintest of like a heartbeat they think and she had that gushing wound in her throat and so they're like and the thing that made me so sad was, like, this is the last thing that happened to her when she was alive. Right. They, they like, start to talk about it, and then they're like, nope. So even the, you know, the big bad detectives get a little choked up. Yeah. Interestingly enough, none of Ron was not stabbed in his back at all. But he had five cut wounds in the back of his shirt, which indicated that he had been struggling and that his, you know, like if you're like struggling in your shirt, you can basically pull the back to the side. That's what was happening. They know he was up against the fence because when OJ like pulls him over, you can see like the twisting motion and you can basically see the outline of fingers. And I was like, why didn't they like compare that to OJ Simpson? Right. I also was like, did they look to see if there was any DNA in any of the twists that like could have come from his middle? finger an interesting thing is tom lang you know he goes down in history as the cop from simi valley that johnny cochran implies oj's shoes there so that blood could be like put on them and they literally had carl douglas who's one of johnny cochran's lawyers follow him around like on a sunday march 12th taking daughter to sunday school sees carl douglas i'm like jesus that's That journal is intense. Right. They bring up again that they were the only two people in the case who had a gag order. They were not allowed to talk about it. Like, legally, they could not talk about it. Because Mm -hmm. if they talked about it, they'd be unethical. Yeah, Those lawyers be lawyering well. Just being real. This is where they start talking about Alan Park. And he gives a time frame. At 1043 for a 1045 pickup, Alan calls the main house. There's no response. It rings no response, he hangs up. About a minute later, 10.44, he calls again, no answer. Two minutes later, he calls again. And as at 10.46, and as this is happening, he sees a ta- like a dark figure walk across the driveway, which we know is OJ Simpson. Right. I think it's interesting that they, there's that one part of the trial where he goes, 6'2, should have been a real pretty big woman. <laughs> because <laughs> that's what they were implying is that like they saw like the mate that not the mate that like housekeeper or someone like that alan talks about how he saw a dark figure go into the house and then kato comes out and lets him in and then he and kato are talking about the, well really kato is high and is like did you hear the earthquake i don't know why everyone's like i don't know why kato was asking me this I'm like dude was so fucking loaded you can't tell me otherwise that doesn't mean he doesn't remember what happened
1: right exactly
0: i think kato was tripping <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. it was interesting that like oj was like agitated and sweaty yeah and they were like he just got out of the shower and it was it wasn't like hot out or anything like alan was like i was literally in like a suit and i was fine and oj was in like a polo he talks about how he there was this black bag he, kato OJ wouldn't let Kato go get it for him. He went and got it. He wouldn't let Alan take it. And then he sees him put it in the trash bin and shove it down. Yup. And he tells them this. Interestingly enough, I did not know this. This is a fun fact. He tells us that Bob Shapiro and Skip Taft, who are OJ's lawyers, contacted Alan before the prosecution did. Mm. And they illegally recorded their conversation with him which I thought was interesting. And this was not brought up in court. And you're like, well, maybe Marsha Clark didn't know. Alan found out the, and listened to the tape with Marsha Clark.
1: This woman, this woman.
0: And the end part of this, Alan hangs up, right? And Shapiro turns or says to Bob Taft while it's still on the, they're still on the phone. Cause he's a fucking idiot. And, um, which I'm sure he put like interview with Alan Park and they were like, Oh, you sat for a, a interview and he was like nah i think that's exactly how it happened but at the end of the call they're like oj oh that's not what oj said oj said that happened differently and i'm like so basically on this tape you're telling us that your own client is lying to you (laughs) yep and marcia clark didn't fucking put this like that's not even the lapd that's fucking the defense like you didn't even fuck over the defense screw the whole being close to you know being in bed with the LAPD, that's just a damn good evidence. Legit. Like even his lawyers. So that just blew my mind. Mm-hmm. They also jump back at this point to talk about Rod and his blood analysis for this case. And he actually got a dog to run around in animal blood the way that like
2: the dog did. I think
0: yeah. Kato the dog did not Kato the human. hmm I just also in OJ's book If I did it like when he talks about Kato, he makes Kato sound like everyone hated him. And that was totally not the case. But the kids loved him so much, they named their dog after him. Right, exactly. But yeah, they hated Kato. It's like, if you're going to lie, lie about things people can't fact check. Literally. (laughs) Another one thing I love is that they talk about this story, and Tom Lang, you can just tell he's super happy and proud of his pettiness. Basically, there are these like teenagers selling shirts out front of the courthouse that said like free OJ or like he's being set up or whatever, like just different things and different shirts. Mm -hmm. And I guess Tom talked to them pretty regularly and they were like, you know, the longer you keep him in there, the more money we make selling these shirts. And so they had like kind of developed maybe like a banter. Mm hmm. And a reporter came up to Lang and was like, who are those guys? Who are you talking to? And basically, he told the reporter that they were, like, witnesses that the prosecution is trying to convince to, or, like, to bring in to speak. And this news outlet, like, ran with the story. Oh, my God. <laughs> and they're just, like, they would she not walk up and, like, be like, why are you here? To the four teenagers selling t-shirts. Right. I was like, she dumb. Mm. She real dumb. But she... You know, but he looked so proud of himself. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Something that kind of brought me a little bit of solace at this point is they talk about how quick it was for Nicole. They don't think she was conscious more than a few seconds like after she was stabbed. Yeah. In the head. And I'm like, I'm sure like being stabbed in your brain with a long ass knife kind of ends a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. There was 512 clues. That they didn't use. That they didn't use. 512 this was a nine okay like i get that this was like a nine month process for the jurors but like this is the evidence that would have gotten you a conviction
1: exactly
0: they were talking about hair samples because like the defense was like we want everyone's hair samples and joe lang he's always kind of had like that like accountant haircut Mm -hmm. like you know what i'm saying like when you think of like a cartoon accountant, like how they yeah. only have hair on the sides of their head
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: and it's bald on top, he's like I, he's like I was afraid of being held in contempt because I don't even think I had forty, and I was like that's so funny, I love that. The cops all had to give blood samples too, like I didn't know that. That's in crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> when in what case have they ever been like? We need all the cops to give their blood. No, I'm just like that's so weird. <laughs> And yeah, it just irritated me because the defense could run around and say everything that they wanted to. Yeah. And Van Adder and Lang couldn't say shit. So they couldn't even publicly defend themselves. Mm-mm. They do a recreation where, I, I think we talked about this a little bit ago, the reenactors were in all white. Mm-hmm. And they he just tells him, he tells the guy who's playing the attacker to go at him hard. And that, you know, they told the other guy like fight back and it took him 12 seconds to get... T- 30 steps in
1: 12 seconds it's so scary like how fast that can happen
0: i'm like trying to think of like how long 12 seconds is like i'm watching the timer and our recor- recording going and i'm like it's so long sometimes
1: it's like so long but so quick
0: Yeah. And then they were talking about how it was a revenge killing. This wasn't because OJ needed to get his jollies off or anything like that. This was because he was mad at Nicole and he wanted to teach her the ultimate lesson.
1: Yep. 100%.
0: I mean, I honestly think that he stole her keys and like he had been planning it. Oh, for sure. And that's the thing. That shit showed Mm premeditation. You know, that that shit showed like I had the foresight to go buy like a beard disguise kit. I bought a fake knife to, like, throw people off. And then I knew would be suspicious, so I told my defense team about it. Mm -hmm. I stole my ex-wife's keys. Like, he basically was going to walk into her house and murder her. Mm -hmm. And that's why I, I do think that Ron was already there. Yeah. I do think, like... He was either going to walk up and do this because otherwise I think OJ would have just gone into the house. Mm -hmm. Like they were like, he rang the doorbell and she came out. I don't think that happened. I think Ron caught him like basically sneaking into Nicole's house.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And the one thing that they show when they do this reenactment with the white clothing Mm-hmm. is how much blood gets on the victims versus that gets on the killer it's like not a lot
1: it's so scary yeah the
0: killer basically it's his it's their feet and their hands and their shins mm-hmm. but not their face it's like In movies, we see this recreation where it's like, you know, the killer stabs someone like five times and they're covered covered. in blood. Yeah. But that's because it wouldn't be as dramatic.
1: Right, exactly.
0: And none of this, none of this shit was used in court. That's
1: what blows my fucking mind. I'm like, you set yourself up for failure, meaning the prosecution.
0: Right. At this point, like, the one thing I was thinking at the end of this documentary is like, fuck, I kind of wish they had gotten a retrial, like a mistrial, because if they had gotten a mistrial, then like, then they could have. Gotten a like district attorneys to fucking mm-hmm. actually do this. Like, I do think this was like just a clusterfuck of time for people. Like, we're talking about yeah. the Menendez cases happening kind of simultaneously. So, the DA's office is split, you know, on like two really big cases, right? So, I don't know. It's just like just a lot, right? After looking at this, like, she's an idiot. <laughs> It's either she's an idiot because she let her ego get in the way of Salt, like, really bringing justice, or she really wasn't competent at her job.
1: Yeah, and it could even be both.
0: Right. I'm pretty sure that, like, newbie prosecutors would love the evidence they had.
1: Right? So much.
0: 512. And, like, putting Rod on on the witness stand would literally be, like gold because he's he was hi yes, he was part of the LAPD, but he was hired. This was his job mm-hmm. and he did it according to, you know, the autopsy and the crime scene photos. Yeah. This wasn't like somebody told him and he recreated it. No. He did the scientific way of doing it. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's like I really want him to come to a murder mystery party now because I want him to design our murder.
2: I
1: know. That's what I'm saying. That's why I said right?
0: that. Yes. Oh, my God. Rod it is a standing invitation. Anytime <laughs> we do anything. So, <laughs> if anyone knows him. <laughs> if anyone knows him, tell him. He's got a – I don't want to look and find out that, like, he's passed away or that – Oh, no. I don't either. You know me in my – my track record,
1: no, no trauma, no trauma with no with trauma. that. We'll look, we'll move on. Thank you.
0: You know, and basically they end it by like talking about the fact that like OJ, they like do like the written on the screen. It's like OJ is out and living his life. Like yeah, yep. he went to prison. We talked about it on Thursday, but like he's out and he shouldn't be. And like the thing is, like he talks so much about like oh, I don't want my kids to suffer. For my actions, like his kids don't seem to be thriving. I don't even know where Justin is, but Sydney is definitely not thriving. Like, yeah, you know, like she's—they say she's basically like a recluse. Mm. I can understand that. His
1: actions ruined a lot of lives. It's
0: very true. Before we uh, sign off today, we have to do one more Kardashian thing. We talked about how OJ got his Twitter. Yes, he went. He took to Twitter to tell people that he is not Khloe Kardashian's father. Okay. Because he and Chris never even thought of each other that way.
2: Hmm.
1: Okay.
0: Whatever you say. I'm over here like, did you really need to weigh in?
1: Right? Like, th- when the fuck did that originally come up? Like, 2008,
0: 9? <laughs> yeah. Like, after he went to prison. Well, because think about like the horizon fame. I mean, I get it. She looks a little bit like his kids. But that's okay because I know Bo will hate me. My brother will hate me for this. But, like, I tell him he looks like Shaq all the time. So, like, just because you look <laughs> like someone doesn't mean you you are related to them. Because if we were exactly. related to Shaq, I would be so happy. Oh,
1: my God. That'd be the dream. That'd be so great. I
0: would just be like, can you just walk behind me so I feel like a tiny person? <laughs> oh, my
1: God. All right. Well, on that note, I think we're going to go now, guys.
0: We should. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Yep. They're probably like, no, don't no, go. We love you. But we're like, mm, no, bye-bye. Spiraling. <laughs> it's late for me, so it's late for her.
1: Yep. Yep, it's late. All right. Well, go ahead and close this out, Jess.
0: Okay. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode and the sound effects brought to you by my horde of ch- children cats because they are <laughs> insane. I don't know what I don't know what we're doing for Halloween yet. No. But I know it'll be really exciting. Yes. So we hope you find that one entertaining. And, and you'll be back on October 31st. You'll have another patron episode. It's the holy grail of patron episodes.
1: Hell yeah. All right. We'll see you then, guys. Toodles. Bye.